Tonight, uh, I'm going to be looking at a, a parable in uh, Luke chapter 10. In Sunday school, I've been teaching this month, the month of May, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and talking about parables. And I thought, well, I'm just going to continue that theme tonight. This is a parable that we have not studied in Sunday school, but, but uh, uh, one that the same principles apply in interpretation. And uh, this, of course, I titled it, uh, who is my neighbor? Uh, who is my neighbor? Uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through 37. I'm sure they are familiar uh, to you. Uh, it is the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll go through this and, and discuss the, uh, the, the teachings in this, this parable. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? Uh, what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, this man answering Jesus, he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, this man wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? You see this, I see just a little sarcasm in that. Well, who is my neighbor? All this was to try to trap Jesus in, in the things that he was saying. So he asked this question, and uh, Jesus said, A certain man, he began this parable. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, <clears throat> and he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, uh, came where he was. And when he uh, saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And set, upon, set him upon his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denaria, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the man said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Well, in a parable, we know that it's, it is a, a parable is a comparison. It's, it's from the word that means to lay one beside another, uh, lay uh, uh, in uh, in comparison, in analogy, and uh, so that there can be a comparison. It's a moral lesson. Uh, it's uh, one person described it as a uh, earthly story with a heavenly uh, meaning, uh, a spiritual meaning, a story that we relate to from things that happen on the earth. Many times Jesus told a parable and like one we studied recently about a sower, a man sowing seed. And 
I picture in my mind there's, there's a man out there sowing seeds somewhere, and Jesus said, see that? And, and he, he, he teaches on this parable. And uh, in this parable, then, um, Jesus taught, sometimes they seemed in, in somewhat of a cryptic way and uh, that was difficult for people to understand. But he taught these parables. And uh, so look at the setting of this, of this uh, story, of this parable. Uh, some Bible scholars place this time element that Jesus speaking here was in the months of the later Judean ministry of Christ here on, on this earth and uh, somewhere in, of course, in the land of Judea and near the city of Jerusalem. And there was a man who came as Jesus was there and he was speaking to the people and he was teaching and uh, he stood up in the crowd. He was, uh, uh, it tells us he was a certain lawyer. Now that didn't mean like we think about a lawyer who handles court cases and, and uh, uh, he represents people in court and there's a, a prosecutor and there's a, uh, you know, a defense attorney and all that. It's not, not like that. This man was... Uh, a person who uh, was a Bible, well, he was a, a scholar in the, the scriptures of the Old Testament. It's um, what they, quote, were called to be, uh, that, that uh, uh, he would interpret the law and uh, the law of Moses and became more later as a judicial representative more than they did anything else. And they, uh, they served in, <clears throat> in different capacities, but uh, he was primarily here at this point uh, to find fault in Jesus. That's the reason he was there. And uh, as he asked this question, he was there in the crowd. Maybe the people knew him. We, we don't know a great deal about him. But he uh, asked this question, and um, teacher, you know, give me this, the answer to this. And uh, it was all... Uh, in a way of trying to pull Jesus into something that they could say, well, you know, we, we, we understand. You know, you, know, you, you don't really uh, have an answer to that. They were not going to find Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were not going to find Jesus in that position. He could answer any question that they had. And uh, the man did not know. He was talking to God. Can you imagine that a person would stand and question the God of heaven? That was Jesus. He was the God-man. And uh, he, was, he was questioning him. And, uh, he, well, teacher, what can I do that I can have eternal, inherit eternal life? And, and uh, every indication, I think, and from many of the people that you read and study about, such as this man, was probably depending on the fact that he was Jewish. He was a, a descendant of Abraham. And to him, that meant salvation. He was a descendant of Abraham. He was a Jewish man. And uh, so he, he was a Hebrew, and uh, so he was expecting that. Little did he know, and later the Apostle Paul spoke, of course, and Jesus did as well. Abraham himself was justified by faith, not by the works of the law or anything else. He was before the law. But uh, Abraham uh, believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And by faith, he was saved. And uh, <clears throat> so... Now we have Jesus directed him uh, to the law for the purpose of teaching and uh, what, what's written in the law and uh, what, is the re what is your reading and uh, actually the words that this man spoke. And 
in verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, um, uh, your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Uh, that is a quote from Deuteronomy. God gave them that in, in the Old Testament, of course. Well, <clears throat> Jesus tells him, you've answered rightly. You've answered this question correctly. And he, he tells them, basically, if you love God in this way, if you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, might and all your mind, um, that, that's what you're supposed to do. And that you would have faith in Christ. And then uh, uh, the lawyer hasn't been able, of course, to, to trap Jesus here. So he decides one more time, uh, one more shot at it. I'm going to try again to uh, trap this man who says he's the Savior. And he said, well, who is my neighbor? Tell me who he is. And then Jesus turns to this, this parable. And uh, he speaks this parable in beginning in verse... Uh, 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 28 and 29 uh, he, he had said this to justify him and then in verse 30 he tells this parable of a man that went down uh, a certain man that went down uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and uh, he begins in speaking about the priest uh, the priest uh, that went down this way but first, let me talk, say a little bit about that area. It's a very steep area, and from Jerusalem and down to uh, Jericho. Jericho is about 840-something feet below sea level. Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level. So you're looking at over 3,350 3, or so uh, feet uh, of a slope and a winding road. Uh, if you go there, don't worry about it. There, there are buses and, and security people, I understand now. So you wouldn't have to walk it. But, uh, but anyway, that, that's the way the terrain was. And uh, so this road was called the way of blood. And uh, the lawyer and the people standing around there, they would have known that. Uh, they lived in that area and Jesus spoke about the area of, from Jerusalem to uh, Jericho. And so they, they would have known that, what this was like. And the lawyer and the other people standing there uh, knew that it was a treacherous road. Uh, there was violence and death that occurred there often. And people tried to go there in groups uh, for their own safety. And obviously this traveler needed to go to Jericho, uh, the man that Jesus is speaking about. Uh, he had a need to go there and he went on his own. Well, he was beaten and wounded and uh, left for dead on this winding road. Uh, and uh, the scripture says he, they left him half dead. And, and uh, so then the reaction of the travelers, there was a priest who came through this area. This is a man who served in the temple. Uh, maybe he had been to the temple services uh, at that time, and, and he... He served in the temple and uh, offered sacrifices and uh, brought things about uh, for the, the worship of the Jewish people and uh, was responsible for, for the, the conduct, conduct of the worship. And uh, we have to wonder, the scripture says, as uh, 
this certain man that he went down there, and, and as he was left for his clothes, uh, stripped of his clothing, wounded, and uh, left for half dead. And then there came a priest who came down the road, and when he saw him, he went over and helped him. No, he didn't. He passed him by. He didn't even go look at the man. He just passed right on by. Um, the, the person who you would think would be one of the first people who would have gone to offer assistance, he just passed by and did not offer any assistance at all. What was the priest thinking? Well, when he passed by this man, maybe he thought, well, maybe he's already dead. I don't know. He didn't check and see. Was he afraid there were more thieves? We don't know. Uh, was he operating just out of selfishness and, and uh, to contribute, uh, did not want to contribute anything to, uh, to this man? Maybe he was kind of like, well, I've done my religious part for today, and I'm on the way home. I've already finished at the temple. And uh, so he just headed on past there. Um, <clears throat> did he become maybe uh, judgmental? Um, well, you know, this guy, he's laying there. He may deserve what happened to him. I'm not going to get involved. So he just, he just goes, goes on past. And then uh, <clears throat> from, from there, um, the, uh, the thought that, that I had here is sometimes we're placed in a position where we have to make a decision, uh, something that occurs in our life. And... Uh, uh, sometimes it's an uncomfortable situation. I, I thought as I was preparing this about a, an occasion in our lives a few years ago, we had been to church on a Sunday night at Antioch Church in Little Rock, and we were driving down Highway 5, my wife and our youngest son and I, and this was before cell phones. You know, now everyone carries a computer in the pocket, but uh, back then they were still on the table or nailed to the wall, and uh, so we didn't have cell phones. But we were driving down the road, and it was almost dark, and we saw this little boy, looked like a two-year-old, maybe three years old, on the side of the road by himself. Oh, what do we do? So we pulled over, and uh, it really kind of scared me. I thought, what, what is going on, you know, that he's out here like this? And uh, we had to determine, what do we do? Um, you can't just pick a child up, put him in your car, and drive off. You know, you need, you need someone to know what's happening uh, and didn't have a phone to call the police. And so finally we decided, well, you stay with him. I'll go over to a house over here and we'll see if we can find someone who knows something about him. I drove over to the, there was a house not far from there and two people in the backyard. And I just pulled up and I said, there's a little boy. And I didn't even get to finish. And the woman was gone. And she sprinted across that highway, and, of course, Dad, the father, I guess it was the father, he said, I told you to watch him. <laughs> but anyway, that was what had happened. But anyway, he had gotten out there on the highway. And, and I, I don't know why I thought of this parable. I thought, there are times you have to do something. Uh, you, you must make a decision. You must do what, what is right uh, in situation, situations that sometimes... Uh, may be uncomfortable. And that was just one time that came to, to my mind. I'm sure there have been times in your life as well that maybe you've experienced that, something of that nature as well. Uh, but uh, thinking about the priest, he, uh, 
he just he just went past. He he did nothing uh, that could be of help. Could it be that this had become the norm? That uh, you know we think about well this parable Jesus is using it to teach this lawyer, but still there's this story of it here. Could it be that? Sometimes people just see things and it just becomes the norm to them. Uh, I pray to God that never in our country that it becomes the norm that we can walk past things where people are needing help or uh, people are heartbroken or something that is happening to them and that, uh, that never, uh, never should just uh, say, well, that's just the way things are. The kingdom work must be done personally kingdom work of bringing people to Christ teaching them the word of God is a personal commitment by everyone who is a believer and uh, brother Jason stated this morning we're all preachers maybe not called in ministry or serving in certain capacities but we, we all have that ability to uh, to be witnesses and and uh, to serve and to preach uh, or to teach the word of God. So kingdom work must be done individually, personally, by those people that we come in contact with. And uh, the love of God and the fulfillment of his purposes on this earth has to be the all-consuming desire of the believers. Uh, that we, as God's children, uh, we must have that, that desire and for the uh, because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to the sin problem of this world. And we must acknowledge that. We must uh, tell other people, this is your answer. If it is people that are caught up in, in addiction, if they're caught up in, in uh, horrible, uh, difficult situations, if they're caught up uh, that their, their life is just, they feel like it's ruined, there is hope. There is Christ. And that is the message that we have. To advance the kingdom of God on this earth, it occurs when people, uh, like I just mentioned there, when they come to know about Christ. Jesus changes our lives. He, he, that's what Jesus does. He changes lives. Um, that if, if we, any person that be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and, and all things are become new. He is in Christ. He is uh, depending upon uh, the Savior. Well, on one occasion, the Pharisees saw that Jesus uh, sat at a table with tax collectors and sinners. This was the statement they made. Why does your master sit at the table with the sinners and the, the tax collectors? And um, uh, why, why is this? And Jesus of course, when they confronted him about it, he said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Uh, the, the person who is in uh, every kind of sin imaginable needs Jesus. The good moral person that is lost needs Jesus just as much as the person is caught up in what we would consider a horrible sin in their life. But the good moral person is just as lost. He's no better off. No better off. And uh, he needs Christ as his Savior. That person does. Well, the self-righteous Pharisees could not see this truth. The priest passed by and seemingly no concern. Then there was a Levite. The Levite came 
And uh, in verse 32, tells us that a Levite, when he arrived to the place, he came, he even went over and looked uh, to see the, the person laying there, you know, what, what had happened maybe. And uh, then he passed on by on the other side. He did the same thing as the priest. And we see that as a uh, really a, a difficult thing because both of these men served in the temple. The priest served in the temple. The Levite, he uh, assisted in the temple, and they did the psalms uh, in the temple services. They uh, assisted in the Levitical cities uh, where they had uh, uh, the people had gone for refuge in, in the Levitical cities. They served in those areas, and the Levite came through this area. He looked, and the man was wounded. He just went on his way. Uh, disregard and unconcern. Basically, we might say he was going through the motions of, of uh, what he was supposed to be doing. And we all have to be cautious about that. We love coming to church. I love to come to church. I love to, to hear the singing. I love to hear the preaching. Uh, I love to be with the people. Um, it, it's, it's always a blessing to me. Uh, I, you don't know where I grew up or anything about that, but I did not grow up in church. Uh, my family, uh, they, they were good to me and taking care of me, but they didn't go to church. And I didn't know much about church until I was, well, Jan and I were dating. And um, so I'm thankful God didn't forget me. He saved me. I never dreamed when I was 16 years old or 18 years old that I would ever stand in a pulpit and preach. Uh, for one thing, I was so shy, I just couldn't have imagined it uh, but uh, Jesus does that and I'm thankful to Jesus and I'm thankful for the fellowship of God's people and uh, the privilege to be with God's people I did not uh, as I said have that growing up I I loved my parents but like I said we just didn't didn't go to church later in their lives they they did but um, not when I was a child but okay here in uh this person, uh, the Levite, um, as he passed by and, and went on, then another person came through, uh, but a certain Samaritan. Now, you've studied in the scriptures and been in classes. I'm sure you know the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. Uh, they, there was the uh, discussion there of the Jewish people and, and the fact that at one time, probably in the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh <clears throat> and the time of uh, some Assyrian invasion, and uh, there was some intermarriage and, and that uh, some of the people uh, that were the Samaritans, uh, they were not fully uh, blooded Jewish people. And uh, so there was a difficulty there with the Jews and the Samaritans that was caused uh, by this. And so uh, there, there was a lot of animosity. If you remember the story in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. Remember, remember that story that uh, Jesus spoke to her and told her about the living water. You drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. And uh, that story, and he went through and she, she believed and uh, placed her faith in Christ. But uh, to Jew, the Jewish people, they considered Samaritans, uh, referenced them as basically a classic villain. That's how they, re, uh, they viewed them. And they, they considered them as a, 
socio-religious outcasts, uh, someone they didn't want anything to do with. And so, uh, of course, certainly Jesus didn't approve of that, but uh, Jesus dealt with that, with that stereotype, as I said, with the Samaritan woman. But um, the... Uh, Jews and the Samaritans, there was that, that difficulty and, and the animosity that was there. And, uh, but this man, usually you see the, the, they saw this, the Jews saw this in the light of the priest and the Levite, they would be the good guy and the Samaritan would be bad. Here they're seeing it, the priest and the Levite didn't do the right thing. Who did? The Samaritan, the one that they had great animosity with. And Jesus is telling them this parable. There's a reason Jesus is telling them this parable. To move on past their prejudice and their, uh, their uh, classifying of people and uh, that they would know that every person has value in the sight of God. Every soul is important, is precious in the sight of God. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done when they come to Jesus Christ. Now... Um, as he, this man journeyed, this Samaritan journeyed there, and when he saw uh, the, the man that was wounded, he saw him, he went over there, he looked at him, and uh, he had oil and, of course, uh, wine or some type of uh, medic for medicinal to put on the man's wounds as he had been beaten and his clothing taken, and he was in just in terrible, uh, terrible shape. But uh, this man who helped... He would have been despised by both the men who looked and went on. He would have been despised by both of them. But he was the one that went and he helped. The heart could not allow him to, to ignore it. Um, which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Jesus asked that question. And the man answered it correctly. But he wanted him to see that, that your neighbor's not just, you know, I think they considered it, well, my neighbor's the person that lives in Jerusalem. My neighbor's the person that, you know, he's, he's in the same cultural group or uh, he has the same, uh, some connection with the same people that I do. But the idea is, who is my neighbor? Everyone. Jesus wants everyone included in this, and that everyone has a, a, the promise of salvation for those who will accept him as their Savior. So, <clears throat> salvation is obtained by grace, through faith. Uh, a person must be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes to live within our hearts at the time we um, accept Christ as our Savior. And uh, Christ gave his life for all people and all nations. And his love, it, and it, he says to us, go and carry this, this message. So in the picture here of this, the unselfish and sacrificing love that the Good Samaritan had that he showed toward this man, it flowed from uh, completely uh, showing us what the love of God could do. And uh, the Samaritan had compassion on the wounded man. Well, I want to think about that in the sense of, of us when we have uh, compassion as it's talking about here. Kingdom work must be done in love and compassion. 
kingdom work, reaching people for Christ, must be done from a supreme love that flows not from our own righteousness, not from that life which we have that's unregenerate, but when we've accepted Christ as our Savior and we've received salvation and then we have the message and that supreme love should flow through us to other people that they can know Christ as their Savior, uh, that they can know Him, that they, He redeemed. And so this, this love cannot be self-generated. It has to come from Christ. You remember Paul said, uh, of my own righteousness, I have none. It's all through, through Christ. And uh, so the love cannot be self-generated. The love does not disregard or disrespect or discriminate in any way. But Jesus said, come, everyone. And uh, this love is unselfish, compassionate, and, uh, and sincere. It comes because of Jesus. This love is, is filled um, through the, the good work of those who know Christ as, as their Savior. Spiritually speaking, the unsaved person has not been left half dead, if we apply this in a spiritual sense, but he's left fully dead. The unsaved person is. He's not a little bit saved or a little bit unsaved. No, you're lost or you're saved, one or the other. And uh, there is a teaching there that, of course, that, um, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So this is one who not only came near to suffering, but he went there and, and to bring uh, comfort. And there's spiritual lessons in this that there can, in, in thinking of this in conclusion, Jesus has done so much for us in providing salvation, in providing the way of life. We're totally unworthy, uh, and we're just like the man that was laying there uh, on the road. Not a thing we can do about it in our lost condition. We couldn't change it. We couldn't uh, uh, fix it, but Jesus can, and Jesus does. And uh, that we can have appreciation for that and to be so thankful that, uh, that Jesus has provided for us. And now he tells us, you carry this message. Uh, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go into all the world and, and preach the gospel, teach the gospel. Teach the word, uh, baptize those who believe, and then teach them again. All things which I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Jesus said, that is your work. As people of New Testament churches, that's our work today. <clears throat> there are people out there that are, that are hurting. There are people that are struggling. Uh, I think maybe we saw more of that this past year than than we had in a long time maybe, that uh, everyone was uh, dealing with things that they had not dealt with uh, in a long time or maybe ever. And uh, um, it should have strengthened our prayer life and uh, encouraged us uh, to be people of the Word and as we should be now, that we would be people of the Word and carrying the Word to uh, those who, who need it, uh, who need to be saved. I want to close with a word of prayer, and then, Brother Bill, we're going to have another song. Uh, we'll have a prayer, and then uh, uh, then we'll have a song. And if, 
anyone here has a need to come for any reason, then uh, we give you that opportunity here this evening. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to preach for you and pray that in some way this has um, been helpful for you. It's always uh, helpful for me to get to preach and enjoy uh, sharing God's Word. So let's pray.